Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 108. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the amazingly talented children's book author, K.P. Loundy. And you go by Peyton, How, right? Could I call you Peyton? Or is that... Yes. Peyton. Okay. Peyton's my middle name, but I go by Peyton. Okay. All right. Good. So you just came out with... You just published a book that came out in the end of August. I think it was August mm -hmm. 21st. Yes. And um, it was The Monster Treaty of the In-Betweeny. Yes. Is that? Okay. And I, I got to tell you, you know, looking at, you know, looking, it, it's available on Target. It's available on Amazon. You can find it basically anywhere you can find books. And looking at the reviews on this, I mean, you've already have like, reviews already on Amazon and people are raving about this book. Um, yeah. I've been very excited. It's been well received so far. I mean, so I mean, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the, the, you know, the inspiration kind of like the synopsis of the book as we, you know, further into the show, but do you just want to kind of give people a little bit of background on um, how you got into writing children's books? Sure. So um, I have been a writer for a long time. Pretty much as long as I was alive, uh, I've been a writer. It started with my grandmother and I. So we would sit down. She would be, give me coffee against my mother's wishes. She would give me coffee. <laughs> and we would just tell each other stories and just try to see who could make up the bigger lie that was kind of like half passable. Right. And so that's kind of where it started. But, um, yeah, ever since then, I've just kind of been a storyteller, I guess. But little bit of a writer. Storytelling is much easier than writing it out. And um, I even entered some contests when I was a child and I won them for, for writing. And just really, it just has always been something that I've done and been passionate about. Right. And has it always been like children's books or have you done other types of writing before as well? I dipped my toe into fantasy football writing. Uh -huh. I'm not going to plug that book. <laughs> it, was <not> good. <laughs> it was like a passion project, but um, that was my first book was a, a how to about fantasy football to kind of get beginners into it, um, really geared toward females to get more females and women, girls right. into, into fantasy football. But um, a lot of it was a, was children's writing, not all of it, okay. but a lot of it was more children. Okay. And so and and you have you have two children now and yes. so did you so you know i got to say the did it kind of help to kind of have like that 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 audience then and you kind of decided like i'm going to write i'm going to i'm going to write children's books and how much of an inspiration was your own children for uh your your first book here the monster treaty of in between so for the Monster Treaty of In Between, 100%. That was okay. from from my daughter, Betsy. I have some other work, which actually I'm working on publishing as well, that was kind of pre-Betsy. But I think that as an author for me, I feel like my writing was better after I had children because you really are ge gearing it to, um, to an audience as opposed right. to just writing and kind of having that audience out there. You're really speaking to someone. And I think that that really makes a difference. And I felt like it made my writing a lot better, actually. So right. they uh, 
they have the shout out in the book. The book is for my daughter, Kara, and my daughter, Betsy. And mm. yeah, they had a lot of influence on it. That's their favorite page, too. They, they <laughs> love that page. <laughs> and, and, and so... You, you, so you wrote the book. So, so talk to us about, cause we, you know, we have like, you know, authors that listen to the podcast and dread and kind of get some inspiration and advice. What were some of the things that you kind of discovered uh, upon the journey of writing your first script? Cause looking at your, uh, your blog post that's on, if, if you go to K, kppages.com, mm -hmm. you're talking about like you, you kind of like drafted it out first around um, January, right? Yeah, so it was actually wow. before that. So okay. um, probably in maybe October of 2020 is kind of when I wrote it. Um, it. It was completely a bedtime story. My daughter was tired. She was frustrated. She wanted a story. And so this is kind of one that I just told her at okay. night. It was not nearly as good and as polished as this is that I'm presenting to the world. But um, after I told her the story. She was asleep. And I was like, you know what? That has something to it. And immediately the, the title is what really sold it for me because it was just kind of the hook for the mm. book. And um, after that, I kind of wrote it and I kind of put it on the back burner. I hadn't really published any of my work, really published or pursued it. But I mean, thanks to COVID, I mean, one of the silver linings is I had more time to be able to pursue this. And so that was when I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It's really about being a little bit brave to put your book out there and it's a big deal. So if right. you're thinking of writing and you do it, like kudos to you, it's, it's a lot to take on, but it's really worthwhile. And so how, what did you do once? Cause you, once you kind of wrote the first draft, how did you get it kind of proofread or how did you, did you find people online or did you check it with friends and family? How did that work? So I started with friends and family. Okay. Um, my mom is my, my harshest critic. She's, <laughs> she'll tear it up. So I definitely let her read it. And um, she's actually really, she's very well read. And so it was wonderful to have her feedback. She gave me some feedback. And um, one of the best things is that I did kind of leave it on the shelf for a while because mm. I wrote it, left it, came back to it after about, you know, three months or so. And I like fresh eyes. I had had my mom read it. I had some notes. I had had um, a few other family members and friends read it. And after that, I rewrote it. And then at that point I felt, you know what? I can't, <laughs> there's not much else I can do. Right. So I found an editor online and I got really fortunate to um, stumble into this group on Facebook. It's a children's writers and illustrators group. Okay. And um, one of the editors had posted on there her services and I was really excited to, to try to get it out there. And she seemed excited about it too, which was really nice. And she gave me a sample edit to make me feel more comfortable because it's a big deal giving your work to somebody else. And it just went from there. She, she did a wonderful job. And I'll tell you the original story was about, <laughs> 175 words and I'm at like 750 now. So it definitely grew um, throughout the process. So it was a big process. So yeah. So compared to other forms of writing, what are some of the standards that you kind of learned and, or that are that have to happen in a children's book? Is it like you said, word count, is there page count? How does that work? 
So a standard children's book is 32 pages. They really want you to kind of stay in that kind of happy place. Mm. Um, they really 750 is kind of at the end. I would say about how long you want a children's book. 1000 is pretty much the cut out cut off. Mm. After that, you're no longer a picture book. You're starting to get into like um, middle grade kind of like chapter book territory. Right. Um, so that was something that I learned. 175 was actually very low. So at that point, you're more of like a board book. And right. so that was something that I that I was not aware of at all. These standards that you have between what's kind of the norm and what's acceptable for for different things um, as far as page count and as far as, as word count. Right. And. And where did you find so you you kind of had a, an editor, you were able to find an editor through a, a through a really good Facebook group. Yeah. And what were some of the things that. Um, she responded to that um that one what were some of the ones that you weren't surprised with and my follow-up question is what were some things that you were surprised with with her feedback i'm going to start with surprise with because okay. it's tough getting yeah. that feedback like you send it out and it's your little baby book you know right. you've, you've raised it you've like nurtured it and so i sent it off and it was just came back full of red you know the red marks from the editor and all these notes and I read it and I just like shut my computer. I read the feedback and I was like, nope, gonna put that away for a minute. And it was hard. It was really, really hard to get that feedback because mm. you care about what you're doing and you right. feel like what you're doing is usually pretty good. And then you send it off to the editor and it's usually, you're not done. So right. um, that was what was shocking to me is how much feedback and how it was not all pleasant at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was not, uh, it was rough. But um, some things that I was not surprised by is that she did think that there was something there. Like I felt it whenever I wrote it and whenever I was like experiencing it through the writing, I was like, you know, there's something here. Like, I feel like this is something that maybe will resonate with kids or resonate with parents. It was just different enough to where I didn't feel like it's something that had been done a million times. Hmm. Um, so I was really, it gave me a lot of confidence that she kind of agreed with that. And I was very happy with that. Not so happy with all the red, but <laughs> the underlying, you know, Hey, you have something here was, that was nice. Right. And what were some of the things that were, that, that stuck out for you that, that, um, because I'm, I'm presuming looking at your website that it says, <laughs> you know, that you actually, you have a list of, you know, view all products. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, find new releases. So I'm, I'm, it's, I'm making a safe assumption that you're going to be making more books, correct? Yes. I actually have <laughs> one being edited now. And so wow. it's okay. in process. It's going to come out. I already have my, uh, illustrator lined up. I'm going to use the same illustrator, which I okay. like. I there's some continuity between the books right. and um, I did have to use a different editor, but my original editor recommended someone else because that's another thing you have to learn is there's a lot of editors that are specialized Okay. and she was really specialized in picture books. And so my next book is starting to get into, I'm calling it an expanded picture book, but it's mm -hmm. close to middle grade. It kind of falls in between the cracks of those expected word counts. Okay. So she recommended someone else, but I'm excited. It's, it's definitely in process. So what were some of the things that you learned from your first editor that you were able to kind of nip be, when you did your, the worked on your second book? Um, definitely 
the layout of a children's story is really no different than a novel. You okay. really have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, mm -hmm. and you really have to set up conflict. And that's not something that I really kind of thought about whenever I was first writing is, okay. is having conflict in a children's story, um, but you really need it in order for that to be a good, solid, like full-bodied story. You need conflict in it. It doesn't have to be something terrible. It just has to be something that someone approaches and is a problem. Right. Um, and they recommend three problems. I felt like that was a very like proverb type of uh, way to tell a story, but they really recommend the three problems that someone kind of gets over. And they said that that's really a backbone of a good story or a technically really? good story. Yeah, that was really interesting to me. So what would be an example of that offhand? You know? So in the story, um, my parents, when they go to the world of the monster world through the door in between, yeah. they meet the monsters and that was something she had a lot of comments on is in the original story, that conflict wasn't built up because to me, as a mom telling a child a story, it's not really important for them to understand that there's a conflict and there's tension there. Hmm. But what my editor described is that it's good to have the tension there because it, it draws the reader in. And then whenever there's a resolution, it's more meaningful. So instead of just having, oh, the parents saw the monsters and they started talking, I really drew it out. Like I'm talking about how, you know, the silence is so loud. You could hear a dropped pin. You know, you never knew when that silence would end. It really builds up the tension as opposed to just saying, oh yeah, hey, monster. <laughs> so that was something that was really interesting to me. Okay. Wow. Um, and and so when you, when you talked about, so you, when, when, you, when you talked, so kind of tell us a bit about that. Tell us a bit about the, what, what the readers can expect from the book. So the interesting thing I think about the story is um, instead of it being a child or from a child's point of view, it really features the parents. Okay. And that's something that's different. Actually, I got a lot of pushback on that, pushed through it, and uh, I kept it the way that I had originally imagined. But to me, I thought it was important. The book is about a child who has a, a fear of monsters at night. In the beginning, this is set at a different time. There are monsters everywhere. They're popping up. They're scaring kids. Kids aren't sleeping. Parents are frustrated. And so typically, a lot of the times, uh, a child or a monster will kind of take the, the point of view, or that will be the main character. But in this instance, I want it to be the parents. Um, so the parents end up catching a monster unaware. They chase it to a door in between, and then they find the monster land. And then they have to talk to the monsters in order to find kind of a compromise to where the monsters can exist, but also the children can exist and everyone's very happy and comfortable. Mm. And um, the reason I did it with the parents first, as opposed to the child is for me, I know with my daughter, she wanted my comfort and she wanted me, you know, to figure out the solution. And I think that that's fine for kids sometime. I don't think that that kids always have to have the answers or should. Right. So that was really why I wanted it to be like very parent forward so that parents can give that comfort to their kids and say, yeah, we got it covered. You don't have to worry about monsters. And what were some of the other lessons that you want the, one of the, the readers to take away from the book as well? So um, another aspect of it is whenever the parents kind of confront the monsters, mm. um, the monsters aren't mean, you know, the monsters were all very sorry and sad because even monsters know scaring is bad that, you know, they're, 
they weren't intending to hurt the kids. They were not intending to scare the children, but they just wanted to play a game, hide and seek, and they just were not very good at it. So Mm. um, kids kept finding them. So I really try to make it to where, you know, there isn't any kind of black and white. There's not any mean, bad versus good. Like it's just a misunderstanding that you can kind of talk through. And that's what the parents did. You know, they asked for their suggestion. Like they didn't tell the monsters what was going to happen. They asked for their suggestion on how to handle a problem that involved everybody. And it was actually the monsters who figured out that they would have to make a change and they would create a new monster law and a new monster treaty. And that would create this space where monsters, like I said, and, and children can kind of coexist, but they're separate and there, mm. it's, there's no fear and everyone's happy in the end. Spoiler alert. It all, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there, was there anything that you, that you got from people who've read the book, who've, who've given you feedback or anything that on there that uh, there were things that they, they interpreted about the book that you're surprised about? I will say that even though the the kindness and kind of like everyone kind of not being mean and um, talking through problems, while that was something that was kind of like on the that something I intended, mm-hmm. really, that's what a lot of people are taking away from it. Um, I've been pretty surprised by that. A lot of people have picked on it, picked up on it. And so that's kind of nice. And it's also kind of surprising. Um, but if that's what everyone's seeing, maybe there's a need for more of that in children's literature. So that's kind of exciting. And it's honestly, it's just mind blowing. It kind of blows me away. And so, yeah, because, you know, looking at some of the reviews, people are talking about how they're, it was so good that they're able to find a book that's about conflict resolution. And because right. they really don't see a lot of books about a lot of books, about this. you know, you know, it's and where do you. And another, th- and it's just, you know, it's another, fa- I don't want to say a fad, but another thing <laughs> that I see um, that's that's more prevalent in children's books now. And, and you kind of have it in, on your website as well is accompanied activity sheets or accompanied mm-hmm. like learning, like teaching lessons that would come with that. Is there, I, cause I do see you have some activity sheets. Is there anything where talking to, you know, some of your, your, um, your colleagues and friends to say, Hey, is, maybe we can make a, um, a teaching lesson with this as well. Has there been talks about that too? There has, and it's definitely, you're completely right on the money. Um, it really has transitioned to where um, a lot of children's books lately ha- do have some sort of teaching element. Mm. And um, especially I would say with self-published authors, I feel like that's super big because it, they really want a way to make their book stand out, but also make it very relevant because right. whenever you are self-published, that's, some things that you really are going to struggle with. You're, you want to be relevant, but because you don't have a big name behind you, you know, why does what you say matter? So putting these activity sheets with it and things like that and giving a teaching aspect, it really does make it more valid, I guess, but any book is valid, but um, more valuable, I guess, to the reader. So yeah, that's definitely true. And I've been working on that. I do have some more worksheets myself. I haven't published them yet. (laughs) That's a good, good way to get me going on that. But yeah, that's definitely something that is very common right now. Right. Um, And, and so you did mention that you, you have another book that's out to the public, like that you have to, uh, that you have to uh, an editor. Do you, is this kind of from a world building perspective, is this connected to the monster? Monsterland and stuff. 
It's not. I oh, think okay. in the future, I think maybe I would revisit in betweeny. I think that's kind of fun, you know, an in between yeah. world. But this new project is actually kind of my passion project. Okay. So it's really important to me. And I was too afraid to, to make it my first book um, because, it, like I said, it does mean a lot to me, but it's a collection of fairy tales. And so that's kind of the vein that it'll be in. It's a bunch of kind of fairy tales. And it is about talking to kids like they're, they can understand what's going on. And it is definitely about lessons, but I'm not dumbing anything down. I don't know if I can say that. Sorry. Um, but I really want it to be for young kids, but, but I'm not even sure how to explain it to be honest, but, but in a way that's like more worldly, I guess. Okay. And like, it makes more sense. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to talk about it because it's a new project, but it's also something that I'm really passionate about. So it kind of, it kind of makes me stumble because I don't want to say the wrong thing about it. Right. But um, I'm really excited about it also. Are you kind of nervous since it's such a passion project about what your editor editor is going to come back with? I'm terrified. I'm <laughs> terrified. Totally, totally terrified. And it's like I said, and it's kind of in between too for the, the word links. It doesn't match up. Right. So um, it's going to be a whole new thing, I think. And it's not anything crazy. The first book I'll tell you so that your your readers and your listeners will be the first to know. It's called The Boy and the Ogre. Oh, okay. And I'm really excited about it. But um, and that's the common theme. Everything's this and that is right. the thing with all the stories. But okay. yeah, I am nervous about it completely. <laughs> and, and so, so and so be, because of that, that because you brought it up because it might be considered a long picture book or a chapter mm -hmm. book. Does that mean from just a a layout perspective that it needs less intensive illustrations because of that, or? How would that look? So um, with the word count, it, with the picture books, you really want to stick to that 32 page. And so right. if you're on a certain word count, once you get over 500 into 750 words, you're starting to scrunch up your words on right. your pages. There was one spread in my book to where it was pretty wordy. And I made sure to, to present that as a spread. So you're getting a really nice visual with right. all that word um, content. But whenever you start getting into these other word links and different links, it's kind of what is standard. I think that that's one thing that's really exciting with self-publishing is I think that some of those standards are going to change. Mm. And um, for example, one of my books is um, right at 4,000 words. And so it would not be considered a picture book. But one of the mo one of my favorite picture books is um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And that actually is around 4,000 words. So wow. it really broke the norm but at the same time it was very successful and it was kind of it was that gap between being a picture book but also having a more mature me message that young children could still relate to so that's really kind of that that avenue that I really want to tap into right and so 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 with that said do you so because you said you're going to stick with uh, Lucy is going to yes illustrate this for you as well mm -hmm. and because you're self-published through you know check it out at kppages.com you can see all that that <laughs> did you also then have to do the layout design and everything for the your book as well or did you have to did you hire someone for that i hired somebody okay. i have an amazing designer and formatter and um she did she did some of the design so i had an idea about how i'd like it to look right. um it wasn't 
finished, but I did kind of have the pacing and I did have kind of the page layout in my mind. But I'll tell you, once she got a hold of it, it just really elevated it, what it what it was. Right. She even um, did a little bit of like tweaking to the illustrations, which was wonderful to work with her and my illustrator at the same time. Right. Um, and that was really beneficial to the book. But okay. I, I couldn't do that. No, I, it's crazy how much goes into publishing a book. Like I wrote it and I think that there's some value into that work. But I also had an illustrator. I had a designer and I had a formatter. I had an editor. I'd considered going to an, another editor for my um, my back copy. So for the right. back blurb, I had another editor look at that that was separate. And yeah. so it's a lot of uh, a lot of help that I had and I'm very appreciative of, but it's something that I did not expect and understand when I first got into publishing. I thought it'd be so, so much easier. Let's be easy, <laughs> easy peasy, just push it out. But it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Right. Hey folks, I just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you so much for listening and watching Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. If you can, please subscribe. If you can, hit the like button. Go ahead and leave a review on your favorite podcast app that you might be listening to this on. And remember, always, always support local artists, support local writers, support independent creators. It sure does mean a lot to them. And we will be here at Story Comic to make sure that their voices are being heard. Thank you. So as you said earlier, you had a Facebook group. That's kind of how where you kind of found the editor. Where did you find the illustrator? Where did you find Lucy? So I found Lucy on Fiverr. And I think that there are a lot of people that are very talented on Fiverr. And I also think that it's a very, very good resource for mm. people who are self-publishing because you can find people that are easier to work with on a budget. Um, I was very shocked when I first started pricing out illustrations. It was anywhere between, you know, $5 a page up to $1,500 a page. Like wow. there is a crazy discrepancy between what the highs and what the lows were. And so once I realized it was like a thousand a page, I had to rethink everything because I was like, yeah, that's definitely not something I can afford. Um, so I checked on Fiverr and I honestly looked out. She had not done many published works. A lot of what she was doing was characters at the time. Mm. Um, and she didn't have a huge portfolio, but she had excellent reviews for what she did. And that's okay. what stood out to me. Her reviews were amazing. I think that she had like a hundred five-star reviews. Really? And, um, when I started working with her, I asked for a sample, which I'll recommend to anyone. Always mm. get the sample first. Don't don't get into a contract. Get sample work to see how how your fit is. Um, but what she turned out was amazing. I loved it. The parents were the first sketch that she did for me, and right. it just seemed like a fit, and it seemed like it was going to work out. And so we just went for it. And she she did a great job. And did you un did you know enough to say um, I wanted it? like as a, as a certain style or did you say, Hey, uh, I want to, so talk to us about that. Then the, the contracting piece. So um, how does that work? So did they, did uh, Lucy have to send you like physical copies or this was all digital that she sent you or how did that work? So with Fiverr, it's very um, user-friendly and it's mm -hmm. very author-friendly. I'll be 
Frank, because the copyright completely goes to you once the work is completed. Okay. So whenever you're working with another illustrator, if you're going to do like a hand-drawn contract, a lot of times you'll have to negotiate for after-use rights or for, you know, line work rights or anything like that. With working through Fiverr, everything was mine and it was very easy. We had an implied contract pretty much through Fiverr just because of the nature of the businesses. You pay for something, you own it. Right. And so that made it very, very easy. Um, in the future, when I work with Lucy, I definitely want to include her more on doing some kind of aftermarket stuff. I do have some stuff that, that I'm working on and have finished with the Monster Treaty of Inbetweeny. Um, but I think that going through it, I think that Fiverr takes a lot of money from the illustrator, to be frank. So it's good. It's a really good resource. For people that are on a budget and it's a really good resource for people that aren't on a budget like lucy's amazing i couldn't right. believe that i found her and she is so talented um and i think that now she's going to start her own portfolio and start working just as an illustrator instead of more of a freelancer through fiverr um so i'm super proud of her for that and super excited for her um but it's kind of a um a building block for a lot of illustrators okay so you you got the editor done. You had that that manuscript. You 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 found the illustrator through Fiverr. Yep. So talk to us about after that happened. Um, did you did you kind of shop around and figure out okay how am I going to get this published? What was the or the some of the steps you found in nailing down Ingram Spark for you? So I will say I sent off my work, my manuscript to agents. Mm -hmm. I was rejected a lot. Uh, I think that by the end of it, I was up to maybe, maybe 32 rejections, but I'll say also when I started is, um, I did not send out my best work. The first, some of the first stuff I was querying, you know, to, to agents was whenever my story was about 350 words, right. and, you know, the finished product is now at 750. So it's super important if you're going to query, I'll say to have a finished polished piece of work and it's edited. Like it's mm. super important. It's possible that an agent would have picked me up if I would have done things a little bit more correctly, I would guess, you know, just having it edited, but I did send it out. I did get rejected. It was a blow. <laughs> and um, then I started kind of looking around and doing my research about how I could go about self publishing it. And originally I had not expected to, to have all this work to do. Cause if you are traditionally published, they do the illustrations, they do um, some of the editing, they do some of the design, but I was about, halfway through my illustrations just because I wanted to do it because I wanted to see it put put down put pen to paper and kind of have that visual representation mm. um but once I got to the point where I was getting rejected and I just really felt like I was right and they were wrong and I was going to put this out there I started looking at self-publishing options and um the biggest ones are either KDP which is Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing or Ingram Spark those were the two biggest ones that I could see. There's also some other ones. Um, Lulu, I think, Book Baby, mm -hmm. those are some options. What sold it to me for Ingram, though, is it has expanded distribution. So if you're interested in getting some of the bigger real retailers like Target or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, they are someone that they would like to source from. So there, you're going to be more likely to get into a store like that as a self-publisher if you use someone that is a distributor for big bookstores. Right. And so that's why I picked them. And so, so, you know, with that is that, so 
if someone goes to, you know, going on your website, mm -hmm. is this connected straight to, would they, would they be getting this from Ingram spark or would they be buying this? Like you have a stack of books at your house right now. So these would be from me primarily okay. on my website. It's if you look on there, the main reason I set it up that way is for the author's bundle. A lot of people had asked for signed copies right? and um, that was a way to give them a signed copy. So if you get the author's bundle on my, it's coming from me, but you get the signed copy, you get like stickers. I have bookmarks, oh, cool. I have coloring okay. pages, um, you know, working on some other stuff. We might have some plushies soon, some little mm -hmm. baby monsters. Um, but that's kind of the only purpose. If, if you're on my site, you're, you're getting a, a signed copy pretty much. Right. Um, if you first go onto my site, the first thing that usually comes up is like a pop-up and that does link to Amazon. Um, okay. But that's just when you first open it. I don't think it, it hangs around. Right. But um. But yeah, those are from me. But also, you can buy from Amazon, and Amazon is who uh, did my distribution for my paperback because their pricing was the most competitive for paperback publishing, and so okay. that's why I went with KDP. So I have like three different ways to get it. I you get the hardback through Ingram Spark, and they distribute to pretty much anyone outside of me. Um, they distribute to Amazon actually. If you buy it and a hardback through Amazon, you're actually purchasing it through Ingram, Ingram Spark. Spark, who is yeah. using it as a wholesale to Amazon. Um, so yeah, so paperback is Amazon, Ingram is hardback, and you are purchasing just copies that I have on my dining room table right now if you purchase from my website. And because and like you said, you had a great release. It was number one in children's and parents books. So you made... Yep. So... So, uh, so people will be listening or watching the questions like, how did you do that? Did you, what, did you do marketing or how did, how did people hear about your book? So if you're listening to this podcast for tips and tricks, this is it. Like this is the <laughs> moment that you get tips and tricks. You have to really, um, if you want a number one, it's very competitive. You're a self-publisher and most self-publishers don't have the the big people behind them. If you do a Kickstarter, sometimes you can build up a good launch team. Right. For me, I didn't do a Kickstarter. I did not have a launch team. I was too afraid. I was like, oh gosh, what are they going to say? So I didn't do a launch team. But if you're strategic in your categories, it's much easier to get a number one new release. You still mm -hmm. have to do the work. Like people bought my book. I was shocked by how many people bought my book. But what really helps get that number one is to be strategic in the categories. And you have to be honest, like, don't put your category in green car racing on number five cars. If you know, you're writing about teddy bears. That's not very, it's a little disingenuous, but for me, you know, it was a children and parenting book because the parentings are, you know, parenting is parenting forward right. on, in the story. Um, but it's a smaller niche category. And so I had less competition in that category. Um, you kind of just have to play around with it too. It's something that mm -hmm. I found out through a lot. I do a lot of YouTube to try to figure figure out what I'm doing wrong <laughs> through publishing. And that's one of the things I came up with is um, if you want a number one, it's really about the categories because it's, it's so hard just to get a number one book or even a top 100 book um, right. in general, just in books because Amazon has quadruple Billions. million books. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> it's crazy. It's very competitive and right. children's book in particular, are actually extremely, extremely competitive. I had no idea. Wow. And well, I think the challenge is too, as you're mentioning, is like it's um, you, at first blush, you know, people read children's books and like, okay, how how complicated is this? But then yeah. you realize that like a, 
adult authors who write 500 page books is like i could never write a children's book like it's so complicated yes because you have to you have to compress and compress and compress like something that is a whole it's a whole story it's a novel in you know a thousand words or less and, and that's you, like and, the thing right and you have to you have to write it in a way that is accessible to children so right. it's extremely complicated yeah 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 and so so you did brought it up earlier would it would would that be something now that you've you kind of yeah you, you you dipped your toes in your water you got your first successfully published book would you look at taking your other books in the future by doing it through a crowdfunding source like indiegogo or kickstarter so for me i would say no um just because it's so intimidating like right. it's not that um it's like easy and I'm like, oh no, I'm fine. Like this is hard work. And I, I use F, I cashed out a CD <laughs> that I'd had since I was 18 to publish this book. <laughs> um, so it's, it's hard, but there's a lot of bravery that goes into writing. And one of the things that people are very brave about is doing a Kickstarter. Cause you really have to put it out there. You have a certain amount that you have to hit. Right. And if you don't hit it, then you get nothing. Right. And, um, it's hard. I know that there's in my group in particular, the Facebook group that I've had a lot of success with, and I've had a lot of, uh, met a lot of different people and got a lot of help from there's people in there that have had very successful Kickstarters, multiple successful Kickstarters. And that's kind of how they build their book, how they build their audience. And they have amazing audiences. Like there's mm. people in there that have sold tens of thousands of books as a self-published author. And a lot of those people did do a Kickstarter. Um, for me, it's just so intimidating to be honest. It's just, it's just intimidating. So probably not. Um, it's not something I'll shut the door on, but you have to be brave to do one of those. And I expended a lot of bravery just getting this out. I was like, Oh, that's it. So maybe in the future though. But, but it works. I mean, you, you, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. You got a number one (laughs) new release in children. you, You did it. So yeah, I mean, there's that bravery, but then also there's going to be a, a a level of you know self confidence that you've earned yourself to to do this already. Yeah, I think that that's something that a lot of self publishers too have to overcome too. You know, there's a right. there used to be a huge stigma with self publishing versus traditional publishing, and I, I'm so excited about it. Honestly, not even as a as an author, or as a writer, like even as a reader and as a parent, like just being exposed to some of these different things that normally wouldn't pass through a traditional publisher. Um, you're getting so many more books about, you know, diversity and about different, um, you know, concepts and different things like from different cultural, religious standards and things right. like that. And it's really expanding, you know, what's out there and, you know, what's available. So it's really exciting. But um, yeah, for self-publishers, I get it. Like there's a lot of, you know, kind of that self-doubt and it's so hard and you have to really learn it almost by yourself, you know, right. so it's just a big hurdle. And so. Yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a, a confidence issue. It's growing though. I saw my book on Target, and that was that was it for me. I was pretty excited. Like, get me a Starbucks and let's go to Target and buy a book. It's very exciting. That's right. You can go to the Target website and buy and buy your book right there. Yeah, it's the very Monster exciting. Treaty of In Betweeny, right there. Um, and well, yeah, and you can save five percent if you use your your red card every day. Right yeah, the red yeah. card. There you go. <laughs> um so so yeah so you said like you have a you you have another book that's kind of a not really a it that's you said kind of like a young a chapter book uh Mm -hmm. you must have i mean now that you're just you know 
kind of sitting on this right now with this success, um, which is, like I said, less than a month old. This book came out in late August. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, about a month old that the, the, the book is. Um, I can't believe it's late September already. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Live guy. Do you, do you see yourself then, like, is there, uh, do you, how many ideas do you have listed? Because you already said you already have one that's already up to the editor. Are you scripting something else now? So for the, the books that I was talking about, kind of like that bridge gap in between picture book and um, middle grade, I have seven of those actually already written. Okay. And so this is the one that I, I know it's crazy. And then this is the one I felt was uh, the easiest, I guess, to get out. I felt like it had the least amount of like tweaking and editing. I felt like it was like the least controversial at all. Right. Um, from all the books. And so this is the one I'm going with the boy and the ogre and it's really okay. funny and it's uh it's a really fun book I have seven of those, but currently I'm working on a young adult book, which is also a fairy tale and it does exist in the same, um, universe as my original picture books. So what I would like is for, I even have a board book written that is in the same universe. And so oh, kind wow. of a books that kind of grow with kids. Right. And so you can have that kind of familiar feeling of like this picture book and then you read, you know, something that's like a chapter book or maybe even a young adult because it's kind of at the it's kind of another in between between middle grade and young adult. Um, so it kind of grows with the kids, but everything exists in the same universe. And I want to add Easter eggs from other. It's a lot. I'm right. Yeah, I love that idea. <laughs> but um, so, yeah. So now I, I am doing something a little different and I am actively working on it and um, really excited about it. So Jennifer Roberts says that she uh, she bought the book and she's excited to read it with my class. So yeah. oh my gosh, that yeah. seriously, oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, it's it, amazing. So that that was going to be my other question: is like, do you see your do you see that kind of like with your daughters kind of growing up to the kind of follow it along to the point where you do have like the board books to the picture books to the chapter books to the young adult books. So you see that as the whole, they can Definitely. kind of follow along. Wow. Yeah. I mean, whenever I was writing these, it's, you know, as a parent, and I know that you're a parent also, you yeah. see these, you know, these kids, these random kids, I guess, these kids growing up and it's just so amazing, you know, what's happening before your very eyes. And so you kind of want to like capture lightning in a bottle, you know, and so a lot of that love and a lot of that emotion that I feel with them. It was really cool to write the book because whenever I have the book now, I have a lot of those memories, you know, of reading this story and making up the story with her. And right. so I hope it's something that she gets to keep and to cherish, you know, for her and for me um, as she gets older. And so I'm really excited from that aspect, just to have something between us and get something that's tangible that we get to keep. It's, it's really sweet. Right. Yeah, and it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, and do you see? Uh, is there a point where she's gonna like try to help you write? And she's she's a budding author now too. Has she got some stories she wants? to? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, she wrote her own monster story. Whenever we were taking, I was gonna donate a book to her class. She's like, we could donate mine, mom. It's <laughs> it's fine. Like I I have mine, and so she took her little book up there and she said, this is my book. <laughs> you know, don't worry, mom. But yeah, she definitely is. She's really excited about it. I was tickled that she was really excited about it. And so um, sometimes she'll talk, she'll go, mommy, it's my story time. And so she'll go write her own stories now. And it's very right. sweet. It's oh, exciting. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to get to the top of the hour, Peyton. So I, I got to say, like I said, congratulations on on the release of your book. Um, that's you. that's fantastic that you got you're able to to do that. Um, very excited for your for your for the boy and the ogre. Is that what you said? Yeah, the boy and the ogre. So right. it's listed. If you go up to books, it is listed as a as a coming soon. So really? yeah, right. I, I just added that actually. So there oh it is. okay, all right. So oh, you update this is coming August twenty twenty one. So yeah. I need to update that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So, so when it, so when, when can your, uh, your readers expect you said the boy, is that 2022 then? Yeah, I would say 2022. I'm kind of hoping for summer 2022, but we'll okay. see. Um, these things take much longer than you ever expect. Yeah. So it's a shocker. <laughs> Congrat. Yeah. Great. So you gotta, you gotta come back on when you talk about the boy and the ogre then too. I would love to, I would love yeah. to, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, then, once again, thank you, thank you very much, uh, Peyton. This has been fantastic, and um, and I'm gonna have to get this too because my uh, yeah, you said my daughter came on before the show looking at the book. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that would be wonderful. And it, you can send me your address, and I'll send her some fun little monster swag. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Thank oh. you. Is it like is this like your writing studio now? Is this like the This is my husband's office. I have my own right. office, but he has a much nicer setup with the the mic, with the video camera and all that. His setup's much nicer than mine. I have a Chromebook. Like that's oh, okay. writing, so I don't <laughs> want to do this with a Chromebook. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as successful, I'm sure. So is that what you're, you're, you're like saying? So, oh, I gotta do an interview. I gotta make sure I got everything set up right and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, I have an interview. He's like, what does that mean? I was like, I'm really not sure. <laughs> so we just came in here kind of, and I was like, I just need your camera. And so he set it up for me. Okay, cool. Yeah. What a, what a good husband. That's good. Yeah, he did yeah. a good job. Yeah. <laughs>